<clears throat> All right, I think I'm good now. Oh, hey guys. Thank you for joining in. It is time for the officially unofficial podcast of Rockford, Illinois. That's right. It's time for Live from the 815. Here we go. Episode 27, live from the 815 Podcast. It is the usual duo. It's me, Colton, St. Vincent, Jake LaRue on the ones and twos and threes and fours over there. All of them. Hello, Jake. Hello, Colton. It's okay. good to be back after... What a beautiful uh, Hall of Fame edition we had last episode. Yes, that was uh, that was quite some time ago, but yeah. according to my math, actually our math department put together some calculations, 13 days, 14, two weeks. Some call that two weeks. Well, you know, you're, I mean, our fans had to be tied, you know, held over by the Hall of Fame talk, but luckily today, Colton, you had a special interview for yeah, our fans again. We, we have another actual real Professional, professional athlete. athlete. Yeah. Um, he is a left-hander. He's He's been in the uh, bullpen for your Chicago Cubs last few years. Rob Zestrizny. Freaking crushed that pronunciation. Um, crushed the interview. Rob is Rob's a cool-ass dude. He, he was nice enough to join us from Arizona, gave us a call. We talked a little about um, his last name being weird. He We talked a little... Uh, he was on the NLCS roster, so he was in the dugout for the World Series in 2016, and just talked about baseball in general. Cool interview coming up, um, so that is our late Christmas present to all of you. Yeah, so get excited for that. Uh, for now, though, let's jump into the NBA, where our favorite team, the Bucks, Bucks are in Bucks, a bit Bucks, of a, Bucks. A, a state of uh, turmoil right now. The fans are turning on the coach, and uh no, they're not playing up to expectations at all. And as we record this, they're getting blown out by the Timberwolves. So, uh, what's happening, Colton? And uh, fix the Bucks for me, just oh, right now. Got it. Trade, um, <laughs> trade for LeBron James. Okay. And that's a good start. Win more games. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You heard it here first. Score more points than the other teams. You know, if you do that, more that's... than likely you're going to win more basketball games. I, yeah, that's you know bold takes on this show, but I agree. If we just start scoring more points in the opponents, then we're we're gonna grind out some victories. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. me me living up here in in Milwaukee, the murmurs are the fire kid movement. Uh, just tonight, um, Jake, he was the fifth guard off the bench. Am I right? Malcolm Brogdon was. Yes. Oh yeah. Sorry, Malcolm Brogdon, rookie of the year last year. Um, some consider he's, well, I mean, he is, he's part of the Bucks core. He he's like the, our fourth best player right now. He was the fifth guard to play in this game. So fifth. like the ninth man off the bench. I mean, that is just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, kid, kid's begging to be fired. I mean, ever since he was hired, people were sort of down on him, but then he surprised people by winning some games. And then if you remember last year, he, or the, I'm sorry, two years ago, he took a huge step back 
and I was like, we got to fire this guy. I'm done. But we didn't fire him. We went through another season with him, and he took a small incremental step forward last year, and we almost won a playoff series, sort of, kind of. We ended up getting basically you know, blown out by the Raptors after a little bit. So I, I gave, I was willing to give him another season, but uh, this far into this season, I am completely off the kid's ship. Uh, his defensive strategies, if you listen to experts, which we are not, they just, they laugh at the Bucks' defense. It makes ha, no ha, sense. Ha, 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 ha. That was, yeah. my, that was, my, that was my imitation of a uh, basketball expert. It's pretty good, Yeah, huh? that sounded just like a basketball expert. But uh, yeah, just... The fact that everyone just hails us for our length, and yet somehow we can't be a good defensive team. Giannis should be winning Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, he should be at least be in consideration for it every single year. And we got Middleton, who can guard. Bledsoe's been known to be a good defender. Henson, if he can do anything, it's defend, and then not much else. You know, we got defense. We just It just doesn't work. Uh, with kid system, and he's got to go. I mean, we're wasting time at this point with Giannis. So the thing about me and the fire kid movement is, I don't know anything about basketball strategies. So, like, literally all it would take would be the Bucks to win like like seven of eight games and just get hot for like two weeks, and then all of a sudden they're back in like the three four seed talk for the East. Yeah, I, I know, and but I think we have the talent to be always in the three, four seat, but we're constantly falling out of it. But uh, I agree that I don't know much about basketball strategies, but even someone, you know, even you or me sees Brogdon's the fifth guard off the bench, and you're like, that's stupid. And the other, the last game before the Timberwolves, I saw a lineup of uh, Bledsoe, Brogdon, Middleton. Uh, our four was Mirza Toledovic, and our five was oh no, our five was Mirza, and our four our four was like another guard. Oh, we had Jet out there. Yeah. So we had four guards, and then Mirza, who was a small forward, and somehow we like lost an eight point lead in about thirty seconds like that. So I you see those things, and you don't have to be an NBA wizard to be like, well, that's just stupid. It makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But I guess the only thing is, if if they are still chilling around 500 at like the All Star break in February, that is when it will probably go into motion. The uh, fire yeah, kid. that would be unacceptable. But all it takes is one Bulls like run, like right now, or the oh my where god, the, the Chicago Bulls. Bulls are the hottest team in basketball. Um, yeah, they were the worst team, but probably the worst team in basketball for the first, you know, twenty-five games of the year. I'm pretty sure they were four and twenty, because that's hilarious. And now they have what, like twelve wins? Yeah, they're hot. <laughs> they're I, very hot. They're, I mean, ever since, ever since uh, the comeback of the two people who punched each other in the face, uh, Nikola Mirotic and uh, who is it? Um, Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis. Yeah, Dumb. those two punch each other in the face, get suspended. The team is playing terrible. They come back after the suspension, and all of a sudden they can't lose. I believe they've won seven of like nine games. Hey Jake, I have a joke here. You ready for this? Hit me. Um, the uh, Bobby Portis and Miritich, uh, Matt, uh, fucking okay. Hang on. Hey, Jake. <laughs> I'm cutting that. I'm cutting that. Hang on. Yeah, cutting. <laughs> Hey, Jake, I have a joke for you. 
Hit me, Colton. Okay, it's coming. Mir- not Mirza. Um, <laughs> they're a one-two punch. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was spot-on delivery on that joke, Colton. Ooh-wee. I mean, couldn't have been better. <laughs> a one-two punch of Nikola Mirotic and Bobby Portis. Yes, I couldn't have, have said it better myself, absolutely. Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Fairly not. I couldn't. That's uh, fact. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But, uh, yeah, the Bulls are on fire. I truly don't believe that there's any way they can keep it up. But uh, it's fun to see what players like Chris Dunn are doing for the Bulls. It's interesting to compare Thibodeau and now Fred Hoiberg because, you know, the, the roots of Thibodeau. And I saw a stat today, actually, about Tibbs. Four of the top 15 players in the league in terms of minutes played this season, are on the Timberwolves. And it's like Wiggins is number two, Carlton Towns is number three, Jimmy Butler is like six, and then Taj Gibson, who's like 40, is like number 11 in minutes played this year. So <clears throat> classic Tibbs being Tibbs, running his players into the ground. And uh, someone was talking, Chris Dunn is doing so much better under Fred Hoiberg because – you know, Tibbs is known for just being an absolute asshole to his players and just beating them down, you know, with his words. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Hoiberg is known as a good guy. And I'm thinking Chris Dunn is probably one of those guys who does not respond well to being yelled at. You know, there's plenty of those guys who just, they don't, you know, they don't play harder when you get yelled at. They just kind of shut down. Like me. And there you go. Maybe Colton's an example. <laughs> Uh, if you yeah. if you yell at me, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play as well as uh, Chris Dunn is right now. That's a fact. Oh yeah, I mean you could do a lot of yeah. <laughs> I I don't think you would play well if you were really really nice to you either. But there's only one way to find out. But I know for a fact I'm not gonna play that well if I'm yelled at. <laughs> that you know that's a great point. Thank you. So I make nothing but great points. So yeah, so maybe Hoiberg isn't the worst coach in the league. Is my uh, basic my point on that little tangent, you know, everyone wanted him out, thought he was the worst coach in the league, but, uh, he's he's still just, he's just a nice guy in a NBA locker room and he's, he's going to get bullied and he's the coach. You can't do that. He's in a, he always, he's known for coming in and like showing John Hughes movies to get everyone all like buddy, buddy. And you can't do Mm -hmm. that when like last year, when you have people like Rajon Rondo on your team, you know? Yeah. You can't do it to Rajon and Jimmy Butler. Who's Jimmy Butler. It seems like the only way he knows how to be coached is like how Tibbs coaches. Cause he went right back to Tibbs. You know, he, he enjoys that, uh, you know, play as hard as you can, but you know, you know, I don't blame Jimmy Butler for sticking to his guns because he was a second round pick, not supposed to be anything. And he turned himself into a superstar. So he knows what it takes to make him good. So I trust Jimmy. Yeah, so that's that's our hot NBA talk, and we'll we'll move on to baseball since we have a hot interview coming up. Big baseball news is the hot stove. We have there there was trade rumors um, surrounding Manny Machado with both the Cubs and the South Side of Chicago White Sox baseball organization. Yeah, it was a crazy few days at those yeah uh, the end of the winter meetings where the Sox were the leading candidate for Machado, and then all of a sudden the Cubs come in who make a million times more sense for Machado anyway. So the, <laughs> it was the kind offer, of a relief for us Sox fans to hear that other teams are offering things too. The offer that, that the Cubs tossed up there was um, Addison Russell, Albert Elmore Jr., and 
Mike Montgomery. Mike Montgomery. Because the Orioles are looking for left-handed pitching, and they got a replacement with four years of Addison Russell and I think three more years of Almora. It makes sense for both teams. I wanted it to happen so goddamn bad. <laughs> and people might call me dumb because there's four years of Addy left. There's only one year guaranteed of Manny Machado left. Imagine a lineup right now of um, just the infield. Oh my god! That just would be the best infield in the, in the league by tenfold with oh. Rizzo, uh, Zobr slash Baez. He's just got to dump Zobrist at that point, and then you got Machado and Bryant on the left side. Are you kidding me? Well, Zobrist only has one more year. He'll probably retire after this year, and he's. He's versatile enough where he'll play anywhere, and obviously, yeah, people forget that Joe Madden likes to put people in crazy places. So, <laughs> yeah, no one ever mentions that Joe Madden's a little kooky like that. He's a he's a kooky but yeah, old, kooky old. I don't kooky. understand any Cubs fan that was like didn't want to make that trade. I mean, it's Manny Machado, and it, I know why White Sox fans because oh, well, next year doesn't matter. But I truly believe if you trade for someone and you give them a full year in the in your system, you know they might. If things go well, you have a way better chance of signing him than the Yankees, you know, because that's who he, you know, everyone thinks he might sign with. Is you just go to the Yankees, but uh, you know, if he had a year of winning at, in Chicago with the Cubs, I think he would probably have signed with you guys, you know, long term. So, and he fit perfectly. He's he's everything that Addison Russell can do. He can do. But he can also hit. Yes. So. Oh, my God. But um, the Orioles pulled out. The rumor is that they're not completely pulling out. They're still taking calls. But as of right now, Manny Machado is staying a Baltimore Oriole. Yes. Um, Which the is other, okay. There's plenty of time for them to move him. All the way up until the trade deadline, he could be moved. So The other big news that I can remember that we missed during our hiatus was you Darvish officially, unofficially going to the Cubs. That was that was a thing for about an hour on the Twitter.com. Oh yeah, that was huge. <laughs> yeah, so he was confirmed to go, and then Udarvish himself tweeted out he he's not going to the Cubs. So I don't know how to take that. It would have been cool to add him as a three, but as of right now, we're still looking for another arm. Yeah, um, and you, you know, I haven't heard anything about Arietta. Have you heard a single peep? I I think Arietta's going to wait until Darvish. Call? I think Arietta's going to wait till Darvish signs. Yeah, but you think you'd hear something, you know? I just think he's out there looking for three hundred million with his agent Scott Boris, uh, just being like, "Yeah, well, look what he's done. Look, he was like the greatest pitcher in the history of baseball for half a season. He deserves three hundred million." And the only thing that, I don't think any team is going to pay him that three hundred. The only thing that I saw was um, he's looking for like five years, one hundred sixty million or something like that. Yeah. So we'll so, see. Who knows? We'll That's see. to be determined. The other big baseball news is the the uh, Hall of Fame ballots out. And Jake, do you have it in front of you? I do. I can pull it up right here. It is chock full of interesting names. I mean, <laughs> lots of guys from our childhood. So we actually we have some say in these things. You know, it's finally this is getting filled with names that we rec- You know, we really recognize. It's like Carlos Zambrano's on the freaking ballot. Yeah, that was you know? that was something, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, so was Carrie Wood. So yeah, well, I met Carrie Wood once at a uh, in the streets of Chicago. So pretty you electric get him story, on, huh? Him on for an interview. Crazy <laughs> story. I'll DM him. I'll I'll see what's up. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk. 
All right, um, Jake, give me three. You get three votes right now. Go. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, to be, and Edgar Martinez. <laughs> because I think it's silly to hold Bonds and Clemens out at this point. Uh, it's There's guys that are in who have taken it. There's guys, you know, who are coming up that are going to have to get in. I'm saying Bonds because he's the greatest hitter of all time, even without steroids. Clemens because his steroids were, you know, we don't have full-fledged proof. We just have, you know, everyone else says he did and he says he didn't. And then Edgar Martinez, my argument for him, he's a DH, but, oh, my God, if you look at his, his hitting numbers, it's unbelievable that he's not uh, in the Hall of Fame already. He's on for the ninth time, too. So he's running out of. He's running out of ballots quickly. So those are my top three. You're All right, I'm going, I'm going three more just so I'm not talking about those guys. I'm going to go Trevor Hoffman. He changed the game. He is he was the – him and um, mm-hmm. Mariano Rivera were the two, like, first big closer names. They changed, they, they pretty much invented a role um, yeah. outside of uh, Lee Smith. But, yeah, he, he, uh, he pretty much took a changeup and – is probably going to ride all the way to the Hall of Fame. He was 1% away last year. And other names that I would probably go with, this is where it gets pretty fuzzy. I'm probably going to go Vladimir Guerrero because that dude, when I think Hall of Fame, I just think of feared players. And Vladimir Guerrero was a feared player for many years. He might not have the exact numbers to be considered a Hall of Fame person, but just when you – him him hitting a, a home run off a bounce pitch is just one or even like hitting a ball off a, a bounce pitch has to be one of the coolest moments in baseball history. So Oh yeah. He, he was he was so much fun to watch. One of the most fun players to watch. And uh he also had a cannon in the outfield. And his son currently is the number three prospect in all of baseball. So, so even yeah, more... for, for his hitting, for his uh arm and for his sperm. Vladimir Guerrero <laughs> is going to make the Hall of Fame this year. He gets my official, unofficial votes. And it's the only last, the second year on the ballot, too. The last one on here, man, oh, man, this is huge, isn't it? Son of a is, gun. Is that man, oh, man, like a, a reference? Because I think a name that goes really well with your Vladimir Guerrero is a guy who is on the who's also on his second year on the ballot. Um... No, I'm not going Manny Ramirez. <laughs> I like Manny Ramirez. Oh uh, yeah, so I mean, yeah, yeah. I'll put I'll put Manny in, but I was going to talk about Jim Tomey. He's just he's the fucking man. Oh. Jim, Jim, I was going to say let's just let's just go over all the first year ballots and see say all of who them. There's like thirty. Make all... Huh? There's like thirty people. Oh, I, know. I know, but uh, let's just say in that list some interesting names. Johnny Damon, probably no. Uh, Chipper Jones, absolutely a Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hideki Matsui, probably not. Uh, Jim Tomei, Omar Vizquel. Those are all confirmed, absolutely. And then there's some interesting names, like Scott Rowland, Johan Santana. You know. Uh, <laughs> and Johnny Damon is definitely not a confirmed Hall of Famer whatsoever. <laughs> what about Aubrey Huff? How does how does he make the ballot? <laughs> <laughs> He he's definitely doing something under the sheets to uh, get his name even on the ballot. Speaking Kevin of sheets, Millwood, Ben Sheets is is eligible for the Hall of Fame. How about that? <laughs> I don't see him on the uh, ballot though. Yeah, he's on the players who are eligible for the for the Hall of Fame, but not included on the ballot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for some reason, Kevin Millwood 
is on here. He has a career 4.11 ERA. See you in Cooperstown, Kevin. <laughs> uh, Levon Hernandez, classic. Well, that, uh, he's got a 4.44 ERA. That is some electric uh, Hall of Fame chit chat right there, you know? Because I basically, well, basically what we're doing right now is just going through, we're saying names on the list, and then we're gonna laugh and say a comment. Yeah, I mean, that's it's good tough. stuff. <laughs> it's just classic. I mean, there's just so many good names on this list. I remember looking at these this list a couple years ago, and I like I could have named probably five. I could have only voted for like five people because that's all I knew who it was. And now, uh, now I know every single name on this list. Yeah, we so um, the official the official seven that we went through: Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Vladimir Guerrero, Trevor Hoffman, Edgar Martinez, Manny Ramirez. Um, Aubrey Huff is making it. Chipper Jones, uh, Jason Andersringhausen, Jason Jamie Moyer's still playing. I don't know how he's eligible. <laughs> Johan Santana's making it. Tommy's making it. Kerry Wood and Carlson Brano. That is your 2018. Carlson um, Brano was getting voted in as a DH. So <laughs> <laughs> people forget he swung really, really hard. So yeah, no one ever, no one ever talks about that he could hit. You know what's funny? One name that's funny is Kurt Schilling who will probably not make it this year. He may never make the Hall of Fame for one reason. He's got the numbers. He's got the win, the, the championships, and the pedigree. And the socks. What's, you know the one reason? Because he's a psychopath? Because he's a big, big asshole, and nobody likes him. Yeah, the dude's a fucking <laughs> Which, weirdo. Who thought you could be just, just be a big asshole and not get in the Hall of Fame? That's really funny to me. You know, I hate Kurt Schilling for, you know, all the weird stuff he tweets and says. And, you know, he's a weirdo and I hate him. But uh, I'm really happy he may have screwed himself out of a Hall of Fame ballot. So, Well, I'll tell, I'll tell you someone who we are going to love and possible future Hall of first Famer. Ba- first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, you know, he's he's got he's got big plans. He now has a new best friend in me, whether he likes it or not. Um, we can kick it over to our, our, our interview with, uh, Chicago Cubs left-handed pitcher, 2016 World Series champion, Colton St. Vincent, new best friend, Rob <laughs> Zestrizny. We now welcome on a very special guest, Chicago Cubs pitcher and 2016 world champion, Rob Zestrizny. Rob, did I say that right? You said it perfect. I yes. I'm very impressed. You, you definitely did your research. I So I um, I lied about working today. I actually just took about six to seven hours practicing that in the mirror. So time well spent there. It usually takes about six or seven to get, get it down. It actually took me about six or seven years. I couldn't uh, spell it or say it until like the fifth grade. I... I wouldn't even try, to be honest with you. I'd go by Rob Z pretty much my whole life, if I were you. Teammates do the same thing, so I think you're all right. Oh, perfect. All right, well, well let's get down to these hard-hitting questions that people want to know. So, obviously, I'm going to have to start with this. We already uh, brought it up a little bit. Um, how was it growing up that uh, you knew that you were always uh, going to be called last in, in school with the last name, like Zestrizny? Well, actually, I had a kid move in the great his name was sean zonkel and he went behind me for a while oh damn the highlight of my my childhood was being (laughs) second to last in line for ages whatever 
seven to eleven, but then he moved away. So that son of a bitch. Yeah, it's back to being last place for me. And uh, no, you know what? I thought about it growing up. I didn't like it because everyone would make fun of my last name. And as a kid growing up, you don't want to be made fun of. Exactly. And I always said, you know what? I'm going to take whoever I marry, and I'm going to take their last name. <laughs> and now I'm dating a girl uh, for three years now. Her name's Natalie. Sanchez, and uh, I think it's out of the question now. I kind of want to keep my name. It definitely uh, gives you some zest. How'd you like that? A little, um, a little ration. I, I go to school. Uh, that's great. I, I don't anymore. I actually dropped out after my junior year. Yeah, I'm, uh, you have you, you have a pretty solid backup plan going right now. So that's probably a, a pretty solid, uh, pretty solid move dropping out. <laughs> I, I hope I can keep doing this backup plan for a long yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Sometimes people get lucky, and uh, and yeah, and. Now your uh, career is coming to a peak as you are currently on this very podcast. So congratulations! That's all led to this moment right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so I guess I guess we can get into that that one random season, 2016. You were a part of what was personally me being a Cubs fan from Illinois. It was the greatest month of my life, and I so I would stress eat and just stress um, sleep and all that kind of stuff. I can't even imagine how it was for you guys in the locker room. It seemed like you guys took it uh, pretty well. Everyone seemed loose and, and fun. Was it actually that, that loose behind the scenes, or was it super tense and everybody was uh, realizing how big it was? Well, for me, I was I was kind of new to the whole thing and definitely new to the whole playoffs. So I, I didn't know what tense was and what wasn't. But I knew like a regular locker room. We were we were kind of taking it the same way we're taking the regular season and I think the turning point for the tension came uh, after we went down 3-1 I came into the locker room that day thinking everyone was going to be like okay this is our last chance and when we got in a bunch of Rocky was playing all over the place everyone was like you know laughing having a good time and I was like okay this is what like real looseness is yeah. and then uh, obviously we won three straight after that but yeah the guys kind of I'm not. I'm not going to say they were tense in any way. It just there was a new level of freedom after we went down three-one. I, I knew these guys. You know, they had their backs against the wall, and we're going to perform at the highest level now. Yeah, that that gives me goosebumps just uh, thinking about it. the The media kind of played it off as if the roster and the core were so young that they didn't understand um, the the uh, stage. Do you think it was that, or do you think it was just the confidence of of everyone knowing how good you guys were? I think it was more of that. I think every, everyone had confidence in everybody beside them. And, you know, that that's the first true team I've ever been on where like, there's just superstars everywhere. I mean, I think I think everybody on that team brought something to, to the team. I mean, you had Montero coming off the bench hitting grand slams. Like, everybody brought something to the team. So mm-hmm. I think that's more what it was is we went down 3-1. And the thought was kind of, you know, if anyone in the league could do this this year, it's the Chicago Cubs. And so, and that's kind of the mindset they took and God damn it, it happened. And tears were flowing from my face. I don't know about you guys, but it was uh, it was it was huge for all of us. So, but um, so Kyle Schwarber played a huge part in in the World Series, and he actually took your spot on the roster from the NLCS to the World Series. Did your competitive side of you ever think, man, this guy can barely walk, let alone hit? Uh, why why does he have my spot? Or at that point, were you just all in, and it was just team, team, team? Well, first off, even if Schwarber couldn't walk and was in a wheelchair, he could still hit. That guy can <laughs> hit baseball. But, uh, yeah, uh, 
at first when they called and took me off, I kind of expected it. You know, I was there because I was a left-hander, and the, the Dodgers that year couldn't hit left-handed pitching as well as right-handed. So uh, I, I thought that my time was coming. And when, when, when they called, it, it wasn't poor me or anything. But I think the thing that made, made it for me was I played with Kyle, and I watched Kyle work all year. I mean, I only saw it for two months because I was only there for t- two months before that. But I watched him day in and day out be the first one at the field working, working every day, not taking any days off to get back on the field. And so seeing all that hard work kind of made it a lot easier to be like, you know what? Like, this kid has earned it. Like, go get him, Kyle. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah, and he um, basically on, on, on one one uh, leg just came out and raked, which was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So that was awesome. Um, yeah, it, it, it was cool for us, too, because uh, one, helped us win World Series, but for two, I mean, he was not doing it against, you know, a bunch of September call-up arms and exactly. guys that you'd expect him to hit against. He's doing it against Andrew Miller and Corey Kluber and everything. It, it, it was amazing. Yeah, the best who, who were pitching at that time, on they were just on a, a hot streak, so it's that that just shows the uh, pure hitter that, that Schwarber is, so that was that was sweet to see. Um, so he, he was a huge... Uh, part in that in that game seven, uh, do you do you truly think that the rain delay was a big factor, or do you think that the guys on the team had had the attitude? Um, since we we've already talked about it, if if anybody could do it, it'd be that 2016 Chicago Cubs. Do you think that they could have dealt with all that momentum shifting towards Cleveland's way without the rain delay? I, I think that I mean that team especially could absolutely do it without the rain delay. I think that you know. It was a team that we could get punched in the face, and we were going to like find a way to get back into it. But what it did was it allowed us to get back into it without you know further damage. It didn't allow us to make those two or three pitches or have those two or three at bats where that mindset was in our head, like oh man, we just we just lost the World Series. And yeah. so what the rain delay did was allow us to reset and you know get back on our mission, which we would have done eventually, but. You know that rain delay definitely helped. Do you remember exactly what you thought when um, Rajai Davis hit that home run, or did you just black out? I, I actually remember that moment more than I remember any other moment. I actually watched the highlights probably two days ago while I was wor- working out. I was watching the video to get kind of the adrenaline pumping up. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Harvey did hit that home run." Like I, I don't <laughs> oh, remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of those things, but that Rajai Davis home run, I can remember the delivery, the pitch, the swing, where it went, and watching him around the bases, because to that point, and whatever, it was the worst moment of my entire life. Yeah. Oh, I bet. And um, for some reason, the celebration, and like the greatest moment of my life, I can remember bits and pieces, and I tried to sit down and remember all of it, and take it as much as I could, but yeah, that Rajai Davis home run, if, like, Glad that ended well because that thing would haunt my nightmares if oh, it didn't. God, I, I can't even imagine how how often do you do you actually watch those highlights? I've always wondered that. Uh, I've watched them, I think, three times. I watched them uh, right after they made the video for the first time. I think the DVD came out and it had the highlights on it, and then just a couple days ago, because I remember me, uh, I'm working out at the facility up here, and they have the big picture of the we did it and the people celebrating outside of Wrigley up mm-hmm. there to motivate us while we're working out. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm tired. It's eight in the morning. Like, I'm gonna watch this video and I'm gonna get fired up. Yeah. Oh, I bet. I, I bet you still get the uh, the hairs on on the back of your neck just just screaming up. D- 
Definitely. Actually, the part that did it the most, other than the David Ross home run, is when Dexter hit the the leadoff home run and turned around and like po- pointed at us, kind of oh, like was, a, oh, I, yeah, I bet when he was like running backwards like that. Yeah, he was like, "That's for you." Like, oh. you know what I mean? And then Schwarber got that knock and then like clapped his hands and like pointed at the dugout. Like, you, you could tell it was just everyone was doing it for the team. And so, yeah. watching that video again for the third time, I kind of picked up on like, man, like that was a tight knit group. That really was. It was the. The team seemed to be um, like once once you reach base, you turn, and it was immediately it was it was like a family. It was it was for the boys. It wasn't just I got a hit. It was that oh now we're cooking. Exactly, and that's why I honestly felt like I, I wasn't on the roster, obviously, but I felt like I was part of it because you know they're pointing in the dugout. They're not pointing at Rob Z in the dugout, but you know I'm pointing <laughs> back. I'm like yeah, like let's do this thing. Rob, you know, that like, was for you, man. <laughs> Thanks, Dexter. I, I was like, <laughs> I was just wondering why all these guys were doing it for me. I'm like, guys, I'm just here to watch. <laughs> guys, but. this is this is too much, man. You guys are, are making me blush. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it, 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 it's a team. First of all, just me, guys. But, no, um, it, it, it was definitely awesome to see again. Oh yeah, it was. It's it's it, it's actually still the uh, background on my phone and laptop. It's probably never going to change. So definitely huge for all of us. But uh, during during that season, you were you were used a little bit as a, a setup man coming out of the bullpen. And you have, um, during your career, you were mostly a starting pitcher. Describe the difference between being a setup man and then showing up to the ballpark that day, knowing that you're going to, you're going to get the ball starting the game. Uh, it's kind of a different world to me. I, uh, personally, I like starting a lot because it's your day. Like you're showing up to the field and when you walk in, everyone's like, Oh, like Rob Z's on the bump today. And you know, you, you, you have all day to do your scouting reports. You have all day to do all your other stuff. And, it's more of an art. Not saying bullpen pitching isn't an art, but like watching Wade Davis, that's clearly an art. That guy has an art to closing. But like starting was more of a like I'm up there painting a picture, and you know if I give up eight runs, I didn't plan well, and if I don't give up eight runs, I plan pretty well. And uh, don't know the bullpen's more of like a to me, it's like a battle. Like they're sending me in. And they're like, go get these three guys, and there's 18 seconds to prepare, and then it's over four minutes later, you know. But uh, it was a lot of fun, and they they did a great job because they knew I was very inexperienced with it. And so they kind of, uh, they they let me move up a little slower. They tried to tell me a little more ahead of time, and uh, they tried to get me to read more of a scouting report during the game when I wasn't pitching so I didn't have to, like, hurry and do it while I was trying to warm up. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so you played with Wayne Gretzky's son in the uh, minors a little bit, and you yeah. even got to meet Wayne Gretzky himself. So you were born in Canada, moved early. You still consider yourself a, quote, 50-50 Canadian-American. Um, yeah. So, so Wayne was probably a huge uh, idol growing up. How was it meeting him? Well, it, it was awesome meeting him. I was I was terrified the whole time, and I've met – over the last year and a little bit, I've met my fair share of like celebrities and like famous people coming through the locker room and stuff, and it's been awesome. But so to this day, I've I've been most afraid to talk to Wayne Gretzky, and he's a super nice, down to earth guy, just like his son Trevor. It's an awesome family. I love him, and uh, I called my parents right after, and they couldn't <laughs> believe it. Like I, I called my parents, I was like, "Hey, I met." Uh, Vince Vaughn, or hey, I met Jordan Spieth, and they're like, "That sounds fun." And then that's it. But I told them I met Wayne Gretzky, and I think it took me two hours to finally get off the phone with them. They're telling me all the <laughs> stories and everything. Oh yeah, just just reliving the glory days of uh, of Wayne tearing it up out there. Were you more nervous about meeting him or coming on this podcast? We can be honest, we're friends here. Well, 
meeting Wayne Gretzky was, you know, something I wasn't prepared for in this. I, I had a day to prepare, and like obviously I didn't sleep at all last night preparing for this. But obviously, then, yeah, it was more of a shock to meet him. But here, I kind of, I, I knew it was coming. Okay, okay, you hear that, Wayne? I know, I know you're listening. It's, it sounds like it's a fifty-fifty between the uh, starstruck. So, <laughs> exactly. Um, so during your career, do you have a, a specific out that you're most proud of? Uh, one of my buddies struck out Bryce Harper in a, uh, a summer league and then Bryce Harper took him yard for like 500 feet after that. But he, he talks about that strikeout until he dies. So do you have any at-bats like that? Uh, my favorite, like counting at-bat was my very first one against Charlie Blackman. I struck him out and he had just come off the DL and he wasn't feeling too good and it was the 13th inning, but I don't care. I still <laughs> struck him out, you know? And, uh, but the, I wanted spring training this year. It's actually one of my favorite stories to tell. It was Joey Votto. I go, I think fastball in, uh, cutter away, he fouled off. And then another cutter away, he swung over top of. And I was like, okay, cool. I struck out Joey Votto. And then the next time I faced him was about two weeks later at the end of spring training. And I'd come out of the pen and I tried the same sequence on him and he fouled it off. No problem. It ended up going like 12-13 pitch at bat. Ended up going to a 3-2 count. And I couldn't get anything by the guy. I threw him everything. Front door change-ups, back door change-ups, everything I could. The entire kitchen sink I threw at and fouled him off. And finally, the rain came and rained out the game. And the, the game <laughs> ended at a 3-2 count. So I would love to finish that at bat someday. Do you think uh, Joey Votto loses any sleep just just thinking about that that three two count and uh, he just wants to take you yard next time? I like to think. Um, I talked to Ian Happ afterwards, and we both are convinced that he was literally he went up there to foul pitches off. Like he wasn't trying <laughs> to get a knock, he wasn't trying to move a runner over. He was just trying to work on fouling pitches off. And if so, that means he won that battle. But I, I, I like to think that he wants to finish the at bat just as much as I do. Yeah, he he seemed like when you're that good, you you know you have to work on every little thing, and nobody really realizes that there are players who go out to say I'm I'm gonna work this count 15 pitches, fall off 10 10 pitches, and and uh, who cares about the uh, result? Yeah, I, I I don't know if it's true, but I walked up to Ian Happ <laughs> and I said, Hey, man. I don't think he was trying to put the ball in play because like he was waiting for the ball to come deep and he was fouling it off. Ox, like not trying to like time me up or anything. He was just like, okay, got the job done. And Ian Happ goes, well, if there's one guy in the league who would do that, it's probably Joey Votto. So exactly. I'm, co- I'm convinced that he was just fe- trying to foul pitches off. But we'll just say that uh, you fooled him and he couldn't figure anything out. We'll just say that for now. Yeah, you know what? L- let's go with that until he's otherwise. Yeah, Joey Votto, this is your official um, uh, invitation. Uh, you and, and Rob can come on to this this very podcast and uh, talk it out because I know you're listening. Yeah, he's probably listening. He's probably going to want to come on, and I'd like to have a, a group conversation mm-hmm. with him just to see where his his head was at and when he wants to finish the 3-2 count. Yeah, my people will contact his people, and then we'll get a, um, a nice little roundtable going to uh, to, <laughs> to uh, settle this once and for all. So that's, that's, that's going to work out for you. Sounds fantastic. Um, do you or anyone that, that you're close to on the team, uh, do you guys have any weird pregame uh, rituals? When I played back in high school, my pregame w- uh, ritual was find my favorite part on the bench because I didn't play much. So I had to find a, a good spot with the with good vision. Um, do you have anything like that? 
I, I think that's a great ritual right there. I mean, yeah. you're, you're trying to get, get your best seat and just pick it out in any park you go to and you got it there before the game, before anyone gets out there. But, exactly. Uh, for me, my pregame ritual, uh, it wasn't anything that I decided to do. It just happened. I'd walk out for stretch every day and everyone along the left field line would call me Mike Montgomery and ask me to stop for an <laughs> autograph. <laughs> Did you ever sign his name or, or your name to the autographs? Uh, I never signed his name. I always signed mine. If they, They'd be like, well, well, who are you then? I'd be like, Rob Zestrizzi. And they'd be like, well, just tell Mike to come out. But <laughs> Hey, Rob, can you do me a favor and tell Mike to come out, please? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know Mike when it, when it first started happening. And it happened about two days in a row. And I had like, talked to him a little bit. But finally, I like sat him down. And I was like, dude, what do you want me to do? Because <laughs> there's like 40 or 50 people every day that hate you because I just walk right by them. <laughs> He's like, yeah, man, that, that one's on me. Um, my, my uncle used to take me to the uh, Cubs conventions every year, and the offseason that the Cubs signed Kevin Gregg, he didn't, he didn't throw one single pitch for the Cubs. This random dude just comes out, like, out of the elevator at the Hilton and just gets swarmed with all these uh, with like um, people wanting autographs, and everyone's like, oh, Kevin, can I have your autograph? The dude sits there for like 30 minutes signing autographs, and it was just some random maintenance worker that like worked Stop. at... Yeah, he was he was just he was just signing nonsense. <laughs> so people Oh were, my god. Yeah, he was just signing like Kevin Gregg baseball cards and like baseballs and he no, he wasn't anybody. That is hilarious. And the the, the best part is is the however many people he signed for other than Maybe someone who figured it out have no idea that they have a Kevin Gregg baseball or whatever that's signed yeah. by. Yeah, the, the only reason that um, that I knew was because I was sitting on a bench with my uncle and my cousin, who was his son, was all was all pumped. He's like, "All right, guys, I'm gonna go get Kevin Gregg's autograph," and and he's over there in that like crowd of people. And my uncle turns to me, he's like, "Yeah, that's not Kevin Gregg. Uh, I'm not gonna tell him <laughs> un- until he until he gets back." So this is this is, this is gonna be good stuff. So he he got back and. Um, yeah, my cousin was just devastated. So I, I always think of that when it comes to autographs. Yeah, I, I, I think that they're a past time. And, you know, sometimes they, they get abused and stuff. Like, I, I moved into a new house here in Arizona and don't know how. Like, I, I, don't, I don't even know my own address memorized yet. I was having people send fan mail here. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out how people figured that out. <laughs> but Yeah, yeah, that's uh, – is, is that cool or is that is that like a like kind of weird, kind of creepy? It's cool when it comes to the field or something, but yeah, when it comes to your actual house, it's like you start looking out your windows. Like, okay, who who knows that I'm here? Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, but yeah, my only probably bad uh, thing with an autograph comes convention last year. I was getting into an elevator, and this guy comes up and he goes, "Hey, Rob, can you sign this for me?" And I was like, "Man, uh, I tell you what, I'll come downstairs and I'll." for you outside the hotel because they kind of like don't sign in the hotel because that's where you're staying like you don't want people to be just hiding in the hotel waiting for autographs they said just sign at the convention if you can so i told the guy i was like hey i'll tell you what when i come down just you know meet me outside by my uber or whatever and i'll sign for you out there so i come down like 20 minutes later he's not there i get in the uber with my girlfriend we take off who cares and i get tweeted out this guy, because I looked at his picture, same guy goes, just ask Rob Zestrizny for an autograph. He told me to kick rocks. I guess <laughs> I guess his fame, or he thinks he won the World Series alone, so he thinks he's too big for an autograph. And I was like, jeez, man. Like, you no, don't have to put me on blast like that. I, I signed time for anybody him. that stops me. You're just absolutely big-timing him out there. You're, you think you're such hot shit. Rob Z, yeah. big-timing. Classic. Who do I think 
Honestly, yeah, it was definitely a reality check for sure. Um, so uh, looking ahead to the 2018 season, do you? Uh, what are your own personal goals? Uh, I, I want to go into the, the, this year and throw 108 innings, whether that be up and down or up with the big club. And I, I know it's kind of a it's kind of a far stretch since I might throw out of the bullpen and everything. But I, w- I want to show the Cubs that I'm durable. You know, I, yeah. I, I spent a little bit of time on the DL this year, so I want to show them that I'm strong and. You know, I bounced back from this injury just like I bounced back from my broken ankle in Double A, and uh, I also just want to come in and show them that I'm ready for anything they throw at me. And when I first got called up, I threw, like you said, I threw in the setup role. Sometimes I threw long relief. Sometimes I made a start. And I want to get back to showing them that, hey, like I'm that guy that's do anything they ask, and I'll do it to the best of my ability. Yeah, yeah. Come and be a workhorse. Best best ability is availability how about that i like that a lot i might actually put that on my locker or something to keep yeah, me fired it. up do it yeah if, if you want i can i can send you a uh, my headshot sign it and then put that right next to it yeah please do that say best uh ability is availability and then <laughs> sign it to rob z big timer exactly and then people become by like hey who's this guy I'd be like <laughs> You don't already know that it's too late. <laughs> this is my friend Colton. He's a uh, podcaster slash male model, as you can tell. <laughs> you you guessed the second part. I bet you didn't. <laughs> Aspiring. Aspiring, I guess. Aspiring. There you go. Well, Rob, that is all I have for you. Um, do you have anything for me? Uh, other than the, the thank you for having me on stuff, not really. Uh, if you ever find yourself in Arizona and you want to play around a round of golf, I'm always available for that. Oh, you got it, man. Are you? What's your handicap? My handicap right now is around a 10, but but my girlfriend bought me a range finder Ooh. and some Titleist Pro Vs, so I'm thinking I might be scratched by the end of the week. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're climbing fast. Well, yeah, 10, yeah. 10 is still better than like 90% of golfers. That's, that's the thing. Well, where I can get invited to a Pro-Am or something. You know, like Steph Curry shoots and those things, and oh, he's yeah. actually really, really good. But Montero did a Pro-Am at the Phoenix Open last year, and Ooh, I don't know how much you paid for it or whatever, but that's a goal of mine. Yeah, yeah, that that one would be sweet because because they have the um, the stadium hole, and that's that's one of the coolest things in golf, right there. I, I think to me, it is the coolest thing in golf because it's so different. And we're all going this year. We got a couple guys. We have a suite. We're gonna go sit at the 16th hole and boo people and stuff. Yeah, it's it's the best when when people just get like totally harassed, especially when they just they just like shank one in like into the uh, bunker or like over in the uh, tiny little pond. But yeah, yeah, no, you, you, you're exactly right. Because if I don't do my job on the mound, I get booed. So you know, I'm gonna go boo people for not doing their jobs. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, um, I guess uh, this year you you can go as a uh, spectator after you have one full year of that rangefinder. We'll see you out there actually playing, and um, that should be your your other goal, other than your 180 uh, innings for for the year. Yeah. So. The two things we learned here is I'm going to be in the Pro-Am next year, yep. and the best ability is availability. Yes, it is. Man, I, just, I don't know about you, but I, I am riding high. I have, I have goosebumps after you said that. Yeah, I actually wasn't going to work out today, but now i got to head to the gym. <laughs> yeah, all this, all this damn um, adrenaline has, has to be uh, used on something. So Exactly. So, yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on. I enjoyed it. I talking baseball and mostly talking about random things is my favorite thing to do so <laughs> of course no problem man well well rob um i i like to to uh, consider us close personal friends now so that's what i'm gonna tell everyone 
Just tell people that I'm a friend of the podcast and of Colson. Perfect. I'm never going to let anyone forget that. So, (laughs) (laughs) Rob, thank you so much for coming on. Um, You guys can follow Rob on on the Twitter. Rob, Rob, how's your uh, Twitter game? It's actually been a lot better. Um, I think Trevor Williams of the Pittsburgh Pirates and Noah Syndergaard of the New York Mets have two of the best Twitters in the game, and I want to get up there eventually. Okay. But... I think for my Twitter to you know explode onto the scene, I need to explode onto the scene on the field first. So I'm yes. going to focus on that, and okay. then Twitter will, will come secondary to that. Yeah, yeah, keep that in your back pocket. But if you guys want to go follow him, it's it's at Rob Zestrizny underscore eight. So were the other seven taken before that? No, Ian Hatch is my favorite player. Okay, <laughs> all right, no problem. Are you? <laughs> well, uh, well, Rob, thank you so much for coming on. We'll we'll, we'll we will definitely have you on in the future. All right, that sounds good, and uh, I enjoyed it. So you guys take it easy. You got it. Thanks, Rob. Yep. That's good stuff, huh? That was what an interview. That was riveting. Riveting, Rockford riveting. That's for sure. (laughs) But no, seriously, that was uh, that was really cool to actually talk to a major league player who is still currently playing. He is best friends with Ian Happ. He tossed in Ian Happ's number in his Twitter handle. And um, I don't know if you guys heard He's currently that. Currently, but... the number twenty-four prospect for the Cubs, which is actually really good. You know, there's a lot of really good prospects that aren't in the top thirty, so he's number twenty-four. Well, he's—I mean, he already has some major league experience, trying to throw <laughs> 180 innings this year. And I don't know if you guys heard it. He invited me to play golf in Arizona, so I think I got to tell my parents I have a new best man at my wedding. So that's huge. <laughs> but big thanks to Rob. You can follow him on. TheTwitter.com at Rob Zestrizny underscore eight. That's eight as in Ian Happ. That's. And we all know you know how to spell Zestrizny. Yeah, for for those losers who can't, it is Z-A-S-T-R-Y-Z-N-Y. That was the correct order. That wasn't just random ass letters that I pulled out of (laughs) Yeah, those weren't random letters he was naming. That was in an order, but... uh... For the idiots that can't just sound that out, uh, you're welcome. Yeah, so that was huge. But big thanks to Rob Z, and best of luck. Go Cubs go 2018. Big year. But that is it for our sports takes. So buckle up for some TV show and movie comments. Y'all ready? (laughs) Go! um, All right, I'll jump in (laughs) with uh, my Game of Thrones update. I have on. Um, I am currently on the season finale of season six, so I just watched the Battle of the Bastards. I well watched said. Jon Snow versus Ramsay Bolton. I watched. Oh my God! What an epic battle! It starts with uh, they let the brother Jon Snow's brother Rickon, who nobody cares about. Dude, okay, no, hang on. okay. So yeah, obviously, obviously, <laughs> these are all spoilers. Skip ahead. Three minutes to oh, yeah. to uh to skip through all these, but now we're back to spoilers. Rickon Snow, that that dude had nothing, and that actor made money off it. He had yeah, nothing. It was hilarious. They would always mention like, oh, oh, and, and my brother Rickon. I would be like, what? but they would oh. never. They didn't mention him for like three seasons, and all of a sudden he came back and they shot him with an arrow. <laughs> yeah, that was really that was a cool scene though. I really liked how they did that. Uh, it was really exciting. I thought he wasn't going to get shot with an arrow, but then he did get shot with an arrow. So. I read online that out of every TV show, movie, every entertainment ever that has shown a battle of some sort, 
whether that's war or medieval battle, this was the most expensive one of all time. <laughs> I don't, I don't doubt it. I mean, you had thousands of people out it there. It was in. There's like a There's like a pile of bodies, and like most of those bodies were real. Like all, all the bodies on top were real people. Yeah, they were climbing over bodies. There was a giant. You know, the giant was a big part of the battle, so that's always expensive to make. Um, well, I mean, like, well, not to Snow make, but, like, to actually have enough money to pay a giant. Like, like they're not, there's not many giant actors, and you have to find a good giant actor. Yeah, they have a huge, they have a really expensive, you know, they're really expensive for their time. Yeah, so. and they, and, like, usually they don't even live that long because of health reasons, and I'm mm-hmm, not a doctor, mm-hmm. but Bad facts. Bad backs is right, but this dude made it. He's now an actor. Congratulations. <laughs> He's famous. Um, but yeah, I mean that was it was worth every penny because man was that fun to watch. Uh, that was I thought Jon Snow was gonna die like three different times. He was getting like trampled once, and then he he got like shot with like three arrows, and then uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, what's her face? Sansa. Sansa finally like for some reason doesn't tell Jon Snow that hey I got this other army coming to help you she keep, likes to keep that on a DL and then all of a sudden uh, Littlefinger comes in and saves the day oh I was so pumped I was so pumped especially because I, I I don't know if I've ever hated a character more than Ramsey Bolton in I all loved, of cinema loved Ramsey Bolton loved <laughs> he was the best he's the best villain I've ever seen in anything ever incredible. Uh, I absolutely despised him. Oh, he was so fucking cool. I loved him. I loved... I hated him so... He made me so uncomfortable. And I, yeah. I, don't, think, I don't think I've ever had <clears throat> any character make me, like, physically uncomfortable. No, I, I agree that he was literally, like... He was a great actor, but, man, I... <laughs> Like, I can't even look at his face. The next thing he's in, I am not going to be able to watch him. Because it's just going to remind me of what a psychopath he was. So, uh, but he did a great job of being that psychopath. And they gave him a very satisfying death uh, with him getting eaten by dogs. So. His own hounds. But... <laughs> we didn't feed for like two weeks, which just seemed unnecessary <laughs> when he did it. They were like, and fed these hounds in two weeks. They're so they're really hungry and they're gonna eat you even harder. <laughs> you know, I feel like if they're dogs that eat people, you don't need to starve them. So well, I mean, they're just dogs that like, like when you're that hungry, you'll do anything to to eat. You know? Yeah. So that just uh, yeah. like drives them that much more. But, but I would think that if a, we're a saying that that's the biggest would... hole in this show, then we need to f- shut the fuck up. <laughs> huh? Wait, what? If we're like, if we're like arguing oh. that that's like the biggest hole in in Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, no, I was just saying that uh, I feel like a starving dog. Like if I was put into a cage with like three dogs that hadn't eaten in two weeks, I could probably kick a couple. You know, I might be able to live through that. But a fresh dog. Yeah. Okay. This is what I didn't get about these dogs. When they came, people acted like they were dragons. Nobody would stab them with a sword. Yeah, I yeah exactly. I, I didn't, didn't get that at all. There were there were times where like people were fighting off seven to eight guys at once on horses, and the person that was fighting them off was not on any horse. And then they would turn around, and there's like three dogs coming, and they just ran away. The dogs don't have <laughs> thumbs, swords, or the right to vote, and you're gonna run away from these dogs when you just kicked all these people on horses' ass. <laughs> That's a great point. Dogs it is, it is a great point. Like I said, I, I only I only raise great points. 
speaking though of dragons, uh, oh my god, how satisfying was it when those slave owners came back and were attacking? Um, they were attacking what's your face and Khaleesi, Khaleesi and yeah, sorry, yeah, they were attacking her her kingdom. I was couldn't think of the name of her little uh, little castle, but uh, either way. Uh, then she just busts in the door with her dragons and asks them to surrender. They laugh at her, and then she burns down all their ships. Ugh. That was... That, I'm not... Game of Thrones uh, satisfies, you know, the, they, like, build something up for probably, like, three seasons, and then they... No other show satisfies more. You know? Like, oh, we, you're getting... When you're you missing, finish, you're we'll have all... the dragons? Here you go. When you finish, we're gonna have a whole like thirty minute episode of just of just our favorite Game of Thrones moments. So we don't always have to talk about like scene by scene. We're gonna go a whole series once you once you catch up and all yeah, hundred thousand people that down. all the hundred thousands of people who listen to this, they're gonna be really satisfied. Yes, they are. We're gonna have to write go. I'm gonna have to go look at the scene or the uh, episode descriptions and write down some of my favorite moments because there's just so many. You know yeah. what I started watching? Have you ever seen? Um, the show Black Mirror on Netflix? Uh, yes, parts well, of it, but not, not just like one episode. I have seen yeah. the first three episodes, which is the first season. What a weird-ass show. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that first episode is, yeah. First episode, like, <laughs> a guy has sex with a pig. But, like, every on episode, TV, yeah. every episode is, like, it's so unsatisfying. And I don't know why I watched <laughs> them all. But I'm I just, absolutely hate it. I agree. It's it's like the least satisfying. It's like it's like the opposite of Game of Thrones. So uh, another, another spoiler alert. This is there's an episode like the whole spoiling thing. It's not even like a big deal because like watching it, it's just different than like talking about it. There's an episode where the it's like it's like an hour long and it's 55 minutes of this guy who just he's a to- he, like I'm watching. I'm like this guy's a total fucking douchebag. He's he thinks his wife's cheating on him and this and that and then. I, then during the uh, 56 minute, you find out everything he says is right, and by the and then two minutes later, the the his whole life is over. His his kid isn't even his. His wife leaves him. He has no job. He crashes his car. He gets a DUI, and then the episode ends. And I'm like, uh, why, why the fuck would I watch any more of this? And then I watch like, a whole other episode. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. It's like they don't want you to watch the show. It's it's so you know? it's not like depressing. It's just dark, and it doesn't make you feel good. And it's it just, never just like yeah. It's never like it it's never like it's like there's, there's a crossroad in, in every episode, and you're like, if he goes left, it's a good ending. If he goes right, it's not a good ending, and it's right every single goddamn time. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. That was that was, a that was your little rant. No, that was that was perfect because I I agree with all of that. That that's very funny. Oh, but uh, yeah, not a good show. What else have we been doing lately? Uh, I watched Mike H- and Dave made. What? We've been playing the HQ app. Oh uh, hell yeah! For those of you who every single night, yeah, for those of you who don't who, who don't play HQ trivia, and you you have a uh, iPhone, go download it. Free trivia yeah. game. None of you galaxy losers. Yeah, but, uh, a bunch of galaxies. Freaking. <laughs> but if you have an iPhone, yeah, it's a uh, trivia game every single night. We're not sponsored, so I have no idea why I even brought this up, but it's so fun because uh, every night or twice a day actually they give away two thousand dollars. If you can give get twelve trivia questions right, um, I usually end up getting out around the fourth question. I would say is like Same. my average, Same. maybe the third question. The first time <laughs> you know, I ever did it, I got to nine, and I was like, "This is the oh, easiest wow. shit in the world." Like, 
And I've I've never gotten past five. Off of this. I, I I haven't gotten past five since. Yeah, it, no, five is like the turning point. So that's like where it gets really hard, and then it's basically a one in three chance from there. So uh, it, it's a lot of fun. I recommend it to all of our fans. And uh, HQ, you owe us money. <laughs> Correct. Um, I watched a brand new movie last night. Mike and Dave need wedding dates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how is that? I was I was interested in that. It's pretty damn funny. Um, Mike and Dave is Zach Efron and Adam Levine, Levine, whatever his name is. Those yeah, two are not, not Adam Levine from The Voice, but the guy from Workaholics. Yeah, those two are hilarious. And then it's Anna Kendrick and what's her name from oh, Aubrey man. Plaza. Yeah, Aubrey Plaza and Anna Kendrick are like these girls. Yes. And, they are supposed to be like these trashy met, like they're like a mess. And honestly, it's it's not funny at all. Those two suck. <laughs> right? It's such bad writing and acting. It's just like, it's like literally, if you just go to somebody right now and be like, like be a trashy girl, and all they do is like swear and they don't say like anything funny, and they say dude a lot. And that's like all those two do, and it sucks. Those it two suck. Sucks. I hate Both them. They're tacky, and I hate them. Both those actresses are awesome, though. You love those. <laughs> you yeah, love I, it. Le- yeah, I love Le- Pitch Perfect, and I love uh, I love Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. There's a, there's a moment where they're all singing, and it's um, it's literally just Zac Efron and Anna Kendrick singing. And I was like sitting there, and I was I, I realized it was High School Musical and Pitch Perfect coming together in one movie, which are the two most influential movies of my life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would definitely say that High School Musical influenced me more than Pitch Perfect because we were pretty old and we were like high school when Pitch Perfect came out. Yeah, so I, I like the. Sh- Who I cares? Movie, I've, but. Like for like for like a three month stretch, I couldn't listen to anything but acapella, like a loser. And I'm not ashamed at <laughs> yeah, all because that because that, that shit's cool. <laughs> yeah, think about all the. I mean, look, even that one college, that one college in the movie, apparently the singers are the cool kids, so. Yes, yeah, Barden. I don't think there's Barden any University. colleges that are actually like that. Yeah, this, also this episode is not brought to you by Pitch Perfect 3 coming out in theaters soon. <laughs> yeah, the last Pitch Perfect had like some Packers players in it, and that was just not that good. I don't know. Either way. So that is that might wrap up this episode, Live from the 815 podcast. Final thoughts, Jake. You know what? Wait. <laughs> Go. Okay, I'm ready. Um, my final thought is, if you haven't seen, go check out the new City jerseys by the NBA. They're pretty cool. The Bucks came out with the Cream City ones. They're, uh, I would say they're cream-colored would be a good description. But uh, there's okay. some other, all the NBA teams, or at least a lot of them came out with them. I um, loved the Jazz uniforms. Me too. Did you see Miami's? Yes, I saw all of them. There's there a lot of really good ones. The only bad ones that I saw were... The Mavericks. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to show you Miami. The Miami ones look like Miami Vice. They're like pink and light blue. Ah. That's very cool. So Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah look at the Mavericks <laughs> one, folks. It sucks butthole. It's so shitty. <laughs> yeah, so uh, t- tell us your favorite and least favorite in the comment section below. All right. <laughs> There's so many comments that get left every episode. Yeah, we read them all. Yes, we sure do. I can honestly say we read them all. I, we've read so, every uh, single comment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my final thought is big thanks to Rob Z, new oh, best definitely. man at my future wedding, future MLB Hall of Famer. He's going to throw 180 
innings this year. I gave him a new um in relief, he's gonna throw 180. He wants to be he wants to throw 180 innings. That's that's the goal. I gave him yeah. I, I gave him a new life saying the best avail the best ability is availability. I'm going to Oh, you just came up with that. Uh yeah, so I'm I'm going to actually get a, a headshot of me and I'm gonna sign it and I'm gonna say it and I'm gonna send it to him at spring training and see if it actually gets in his <laughs> locker. You're gonna end up being in the Cubs bullpen, hung up a picture, like a headshot of you, and it's gonna be like visible. And everyone's all the pitchers, whenever they come out to the field, they're just gonna smack you in the face. You know, <laughs> would that not be the greatest thing that ever happened to you if that happened? Oh my god, that'd be so goddamn cool. But <laughs> so that is that's the show. You can follow us um, on the twitter.com at backupqb underscore blog rate review subscribe to the podcast go to youtube search backup quarterback colton because that's going to be easier c-o-l-t-o-n find our videos we got some videos coming out uh go on facebook give us a like at c-o-l-t-o-n-s-t dash v-i-n-c-e-n-t is my venmo venmo me money and say really mean things about me (laughs) um yeah what do you got jake uh, nothing. I saw. Uh, check out Colton's videos. They're they're uh, he's posting them a lot more frequently now. I just saw your one. Uh, your new boyfriend, Colton. That was funny. It is. So. It's it's the dry. It's like probably the most dry, awkward thing I've ever made in my life. Oh, it was really good. I thought it was really funny. So. Yeah. So. So go check it out. I everyone. highly recommend our own website's videos. <laughs> yes, it's good stuff. But. That is it. Catch you on the flippity flop. Make sure you bundle up because it's cold, unless you're not in the cold areas. How about that? Yeah, yeah. If if you're not, then fuck you because it was. It's been negative degrees the last three days. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So stay warm, everyone. Will do. (laughs) Thanks, Jake. Salt your driveways and salt uh, your driveways. Tip your waiters and. Um, wear gloves. Wear, wear gloves. Peace. Bye. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game. For I've seen other teams and it's never the same. When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're healed. The first time you walk into Wrigley. Heroes wear pinstripes, heroes in blue Give us the chance to feel like heroes too Forever we'll win and if we should lose We know someday we'll go all the way Yeah, someday we'll go all the way He did it! We are one with the Cubs, with the Cubs we're in love yeah, hold our head high as the underdogs We are not fair weather, but foul weather fans Like brothers in arms in the streets and the stands There's magic in the ivy in the old scoreboard The same when I stared at as a kid keeping score In a world full of greed, I could never want more And someday we'll go all away
And here's to the men and the legends we've known Teaching us faith and giving us hope United we stand and united we'll fall Down to our knees today we win it all Did it mean 200 years In the same ballpark A diamond, our jewel The home of our joy and our tears Keeping traditions and wishes made new A place where our grandfathers, fathers, they grew A spiritual feeling if I ever knew And if you ain't been, I am sorry for you Crying and covered in beer I looked to the sky and know I was right To think someday we'll go all away Yeah, 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 someday we'll go all away Chicago was singing along.